Hello, and welcome to episode one, part three of Herman Melville's The Great White Whale on the short story podcast. What will happen on this third day? We will find out in another round, and the final round of Herman Melville's classic, The Great White Whale. The morning of the third day dawned fair and fresh, and once more the solitary night man at the foremast head was relieved by crowds of the daylight lookouts, who dotted every mast and almost every spar. Do you see him? cried Ahab, but the whale was not in sight. In his infallible wake, though, but follow that wake, that's all. Helm there, steady, as thou goest, and hast been going. What a lovely day again. We're at the new-made world, and made for a summer house to the angels. And this morning, the first of its throwing, open to them, a fair day could not dawn upon that word. Here's food for thought, had Ahab time to think. But Ahab never thinks. He only feels, feels, feels. That's tingling enough for mortal man to think audacity. God only knows has that right and privilege. Thinking is, or ought to be a coolness, and calmness, and our poor hearts throb. And our poor brains beat too much for that. And yet, I've sometimes thought my brain was very calm, frozen calm. This old skull cracks so, like a glass in which the contents turn to ice and shiver it. And still this hair is growing now. This moment growing, and heat must breed it, but no. It's like that sort of common grass that will grow anywhere, between the earthly clefts of Greenland ice or Vesuvius lava. How the wild winds blow it, they whip it about to me as the torn shreds of split sails lash the tossed ship they cling to. <clears throat> A vile wind that has no doubt blown here, this through prison corridors and cells and wards and hospitals and ventilated them and now comes blowing hither as innocent as fleeces. Out upon it, it's tainted. Were I the wind, I'd blow no more on such a wicked, miserable world. I'd crawl somewhere to a cave and slink there. And yet, this a noble and heroic thing. The wind! Whoever conquered it. In every fight it has that last and bitterest blow. Run tilting at it, and you but run through it. Ha! A coward wind that strikes stark naked men. But well, thing than that, would now the wind but had a body, but all the things that most exasperate and outrage mortal men, all these things are bodiless. But only bodiless as objects, not as agents. There's a most special, a most cunning, oh, a most malicious difference. And yet I say again and swear it now that winds at least, that in the clear heavens, blows straight on, in strong and steadfast, vigorous mildness, and veer not from their mark. 
However, the baser currents of the sea may turn and tack, and the mightiest Mississippis of the land shift and swerve about, uncertain where to go at last. And by the eternal poles, these make these same trades that so directly blow my ship on, these trades, or something like them, something so unchangeable and full of strong, blow my keeled soul along. To it! Aloft there! What do you see? Nothing, sir. Nothing? Nunata! And the double noon goes a-bagging! See the sun! Aye, aye, it must be so. I've oversailed him. How got the start? He's chasing me now. Not I him. That's bad. I might have known it too. Fool! The lines, the harpoons he's towing. Aye, aye. I've run him by last night. About, about. Come down, Olivier. But the regular lookouts. Man the braces! Staring as she had done, the wind had been somewhat on the Pequod's quarter. So that now being pointed in the reverse direction, the braced ship sailed hard upon the breeze as she returned the cream in her own white wake. Against the wind, he now steers for the open jaw, murmured Starbuck to himself as he coiled the new hauled main brace upon the rail. God keep us, but already my bones feel damp within me. And from the inside wet my flesh, I misdoubt me that I disobey my God in obeying him. Stand by to sway me up, cried Ahab, advancing to the hempen basket. We should meet him soon. Aye, sir. And straightaway Starbuck did Ahab's bidding, and once more Ahab swung on high. A whole hour now passed, gold beaten out to ages, Time itself now held long breaths with keen suspense. But at last, some three points off the weather bow, Ahab descried the spout again. And instantly, from the three mastheads, three shrieks went up as if the tongues of fire had voiced it. Forehead to forehead, I meet thee this third time, Moby Dick! On deck there, brace sharp up, crowd her into the wind's eye. He's too far off to lower yet. Mr. Starbuck, the sails shake! Stand over the helmens with the top maul. So, so, he travels fast and I must down. But let me have one more good round. Look aloft here at the sea. There's time for that. An old, old sight. And yet somehow, so young, I and not changed a wink since I first saw it. A boy from the sandhills of Nantucket. The same, the same, the same to know as to me. There's a soft shower to leeward. Such lovely leewardings. They must lead somewhere to something else than common land. More palmly than palms. Leeward! The white whale goes that way. Look to the windward. Then the better if the bitter quarter. But goodbye, goodbye, old masthead. What's this? Green? Hey, tiny mosses in these warped cracks. No such green weather stains on Ahab's head. There's the difference now between man's old age and matters. But I, old mast, we both grow old and together. Sound in our holes, though. We are not my ship. Hey, minus a leg, that's all. But heaven, this dead wood has the better of my life. Flesh every way. I can't compare with it. 
and I've known some ships made of dead trees outlast the lives of men made of the most vital stuff of vital fathers. What's that, he said? He should still go between me, my pilot, and yet to be again? But where? Shall I have eyes at the bottom of the sea, supposing I descend those endless stairs? And all night I've been sailing from him, wherever he did sink to. Aye, aye, like many more than Tolstairful truth is touching thyself. Oh, Parsi, but Ahab, there they shot fell short. Goodbye, masthead, keep a good eye f- upon the whale. The while I'm gone, we'll talk tomorrow, nay, tonight, when the white whale lies down there, tied by head and tail. He gave the word, and still gazing round him, was steadily lowered through the cloven blue air to the deck. In due time, the boats were lowered, but as standing in his shallop's stern, Ahab just hovered upon the point of the descent. He waved to the mate who held one of the tackle ropes on deck, and bade him pause. Starbuck! Sir? For the third time my soul's ship starts upon this voyage, Starbuck! Aye, sir, thou wilt have it so. Some ship sails from the ports and ever afterwards are missing. Starbuck! Truth, sir. Sad is truth. Some men die at ebb tide, some at low water, some at the full of the flood, and I feel now like a billow that's all one crested comb, Starbuck. I am old. Shake hands with me, man. Their hands met. Their eye. Fastened. Starbuck's tear the glue. Oh, my captain, my captain, noble heart, go not, go not! See, it's a brave man that weeps. How great the agony of the persuasion, then. Lower away, cried Ahab, tossing the mate's arm from him. Stand by the crew! In an instant, the boat was pulling round close under the stern. The sharks! The sharks! cried a voice from the low cabin window there. Oh, master! My master, come back! But Ahab heard nothing, for his own voice was high lifted then, and the boat leaped on. Yet the voice spake true, for scarce had he pushed from the ship when numbers of sharks seemingly rising from out dark waters beneath the hull maliciously snapped at the blades of the oars. Every time they dipped in the water and in this way accompanied the boat with their bites. It is a thing not uncommonly happening to the whale boats in those swarming seas. The sharks at times apparently following them in the same prescient way that vultures hover over the banners of marching regiments in the east. But these were the first sharks that had been observed by the Pequod since the white whale had been first described. Whether it was that Ahab's crew were all such tiger-yellow barbarians, and therefore their flesh more musky to the senses of the sharks, a matter sometimes well known to affect them. However it was... They seemed to follow that one boat without molesting the others.